Hello, this is the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I'm Jeff Cranson, Director of Communications at the Michigan Department of Transportation. Today, we're going to focus on the next successful sale of rebuilding Michigan bonds. First, I'll be talking with Patrick McCarthy, Finance Director at MDOT, and now a veteran of the podcast, and he'll explain why the market has been so favorable, and this is a really good time to close on another round of bonds to continue Governor Gretchen Whitmer's ambitious plan to rebuild as many Michigan freeways as possible. And secondly, I'll be talking with Suzanne Shank of Siebert Williams Shank & Company. She's a president and equity owner and has managed several MDOT bond sales in the past, and she'll give us the perspective of a financial services firm. So again, first, I'm with Patrick McCarthy, who is the director of the Bureau of Finance at MDOT, a veteran of the podcast, and becoming quite a veteran of these bond deals. Patrick, thanks for taking time to to talk to us about this. Thanks for having me, Jeff. So we're celebrating now uh, the closing on the second round, or tranche, uh, a word that I, I see that people in the world of finance like, of bonds to deliver the governor's rebuilding Michigan program. It's another $800 million in principal, and the proceeds are once again topping $1 billion. So I guess market conditions have stayed very similar because those numbers are about the same as a year ago, right? Yeah, they're they're very similar to what we issued last August and September. Um, we brought in a little over a billion dollars last year on an $800 million principal, and we're we're doing the same thing with this second round or tranche of bonds for the Governor's Rebuilding Michigan program. Interest interest rates have stayed fairly stable over the last year, and um, you know our 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 bond ratings have stayed consistent. We we're a very highly rated issuer, so the so the um, attractiveness of the bonds that we're issuing is still there, and people are willing to pay a premium to um, to invest in in our um, infrastructure and our debt. I mean, overall, these you know any offerings by a state. State Department of State DOT seem pretty pretty safe from a risk standpoint. That's why they're they're usually good investments. But talk about those ratings, I guess, and put those in context for us. Sure. Um, our Moody's and S and P ratings from this bond deal were um, were at the very um, high end of the ratings that are that are offered by those agencies. Um, a double A plus and an AA two rating um, from both of those agencies. Those reflect the department's ongoing um, efforts to manage our debt, uh, as well as uh, our constitutionally restricted revenues that we have that support our programs and our debt service. Um, We have a very strong um, commission policy that requires us to never um, end up with more than four times um, coverage on our bonds, meaning that we would we would never spend more than 25% of our revenues on our debt service, uh, which is even more stringent or strict than what the Constitution or Act 51 allows, which is allowing us to spend up to 50% of our revenues on debt service. So the rating agencies are are um, reflecting that that strong debt management and our strong um, revenue sources 
with the with the positive ratings that they give us um, when when we go to the market. So when you talk about that policy that dictates the four times coverage, that's the state transportation state transportation commission uh, that authorized this sale of bonds in the first place. You're an accountant, kind of risk averse kind of guy, and yet you've uh, been you know an advocate of this because of market conditions and the ability to to get money now at low interest rates and stretch it out. And we've talked about how, you know, the debt that we're incurring by doing this bonding is really nothing compared to the debt that we're heaping on future generations by letting the system continue to crumble. Um, could you talk about what uh, what has made you, you know, a supporter of this plan? Uh, sure, absolutely. Um, you know, as as we've been um, stating for as long as I've been with MDOT, we we just don't have the revenues coming in to support keeping our roads and bridges in the conditions that we um, are intending to or that we would like to keeping them at 90 percent good and fair condition and every every year that we don't invest an appropriate amount of money in our roads they will continue to um, decline causing us to have to spend more and more money to to repair them um, the maintenance gets more expensive and then when it is time to replace them, they're significantly more expensive than if we'd kept them in, in decent shape. So the, the interest rates that we're paying on this rebuilding Michigan debt is going to average about 2.3 percent, which is which is remarkable. Um, when we were issuing bonds 10 and 15 years ago, we were paying closer to 5 percent interest uh, to the to the investor in the bonds. So. We're, we're only paying this this very minimal amount of interest at the same time these roads would end up costing us more every year as as they continue to decline in condition so taking this taking this investment taking these bonded debt proceeds and investing them into these 49 projects is really reducing the it's reducing the citizens um delay time while they're driving around. It's preventing the department from needing to go out every three to five years to do pretty heavy maintenance on them and not really fixing them uh, with a long-term fix, which is something that the director has um, pointed out that um, sometimes the roads look great after they get done with the work on them, but, but we just did a fix that we could afford to do with the resources that we have available. With the money that we're that we're um, bonding for right now with rebuilding Michigan, we're able to fix these roads correctly and with a long-term solution that you know we can we can then get the 30, 40, 50 year lifetime out of out of the work that's being done now, which is also reflected in the fact that um, the users of those roadways over the next 25 to 30 years, are the people that will be helping to pay back the debt service when we built these roads through their um, registration and fuel taxes. Yeah, I think you make a really good point about not just thinking in terms of what you pay now at the pump or when you register your car, but think of delays and sitting in traffic and whether you're a commercial interest, you know, trying to get goods to market or you're just a commuter, time is still money. And that's why we have a user delay cost formula and a calculation for that. And yeah, the more we have to be out there uh, just resurfacing something every few years, the more you're delayed. So I think that's a really good way to frame it. Well, this puts us uh, 
not quite even halfway to the the total that was authorized by the commission the 3.5 billion dollars what do what can we expect next well the department is continuing to um let the projects or award the construction projects and so we've got ongoing construction if you're driving around the state of michigan you are seeing the results of this rebuilding michigan program um, around the lansing area for sure you're seeing quite a few projects that are being funded with these bonds we will continue to deliver the 49 projects sometime probably again next fall in this august time frame of 2022 we will do the third tranche of of the bonding um, and then in the fourth year which we were authorized for by the commission to issue all of the 3.5 billion dollars over four years um, we will assess how the projects have come in whether they're um, on budget or under budget and then make that final decision in that fourth tranche on um, how much we would need to issue to um, finish off this this list of projects that was approved so we found out last week i think the latest uh, updates from planning because we were being asked all kinds of questions obviously when the infrastructure bill passed the senate um, and one of those questions was what it would take in terms of investment to get the majority of trunk lines to good condition by like you know 10 years from now 2031 and the number is astounding it would be 1.9 billion dollars extra that we have to invest since that's not happening anytime soon, we're not going to see any legislative relief. Uh, I think you make a, a good case for why we need to do what we can and use the tools that we have and bonding is a good one. So in terms of past bonding and continuing to monitor the market and the interest rates and save money, can you talk about the most recent refunding? Sure. Um, thanks. As as part of this new money deal that we're, we're um, closing on right now, we also took advantage of the interest rates that are in the market right now, and we're refunding the 2011 trunk line bonds. So we issued bonds 10 years ago, and they're now callable. We can all, we can call them back and replace them with uh, lower interest bonds that we would issue now. And we're going to replace $68 million of bonds. Um, and with the replacement or the refunding of those bonds, we will end up saving a little over $19 million, uh, which we can then turn around and use those $19 million for other road and bridge programs, not necessarily needing it for um, the existing debt service that we that we had planned to pay for. So we, we continue to remain vigilant. We continue to manage our debt portfolio and look for every opportunity as they arise to reduce our um, long-term debt so that we can continue to put more money into the road program. That's great. I think that uh, it's great that you guys are being vigilant. I know your predecessor, Myron Frierson, felt strongly about that too. And you've continued that uh, that kind of focus on finding every way you can to save some money here and there. Talk a little bit uh, about beyond bonding, about just you know what your overall unit does uh, contract administration obviously oversight of, of, of all of the mdot contracts which are many um, but other things i mean just making sure that uh, you know contractors get paid and that mdot employees get paid could you give us just a broad overview yeah absolutely so um, we do have our contract services area which does um, the the coordination and the pre-qualification and the payment for our consultants and our contractors so we we support the 
the advertisement and award of um, construction and consultant contracts. We do per normal procurement, um, which is dealing with you know any of the maintenance activities and items that um, wouldn't necessarily be federally funded, but um, still have to make sure we follow all of the DTMB rules and regulations for a proper procurement. We have our budget area uh, that that's responsible for developing and working with the state budget office to um, to put together the governor's budget proposal, and then we negotiate or, or assist with negotiations with uh, the legislature to get a final budget passed. Um, we we have our project accounting and billing, so we coordinate with the the um, federal agencies to make sure that we obligate all of our projects correctly and um, draw down our federal funds uh, that we use for you know all the all the expenditures that we've incurred on federally participating projects um, not just federal highway but also aeronautics uh, transit and uh, rail um, and then we also have administrative functions in my office we deal with um, the mailroom functions and the warehouse and our print functions as well as um, phones and facilities um, that that stuff falls under the administrative side of what our bureau is responsible for managing and then um, the last item not not the least but the last um, we also are responsible for doing all of the accounting for four departments um, not just mdots accounting and book closing um, cashiering functions but we also do that for three other state departments and this was um, an initiative that was started more than 10 years ago when they tried to consolidate accounting functions looking for uh, consistency and efficiency uh, by not having every department need to have their own account um, office well thanks patrick that's a that's a good overview and i think it's good to peek behind the curtain a little bit and let people know some of the behind the scenes things that go on to make the system work. So thank you once again. Thanks for having me, Jeff. I appreciate it. OK, and I'll be back in just a minute uh, for my conversation with Suzanne Shank about the, the financial processing of this bond deal. If you need to get out and stretch your legs, don't forget about the annual Mackinac Bridge Walk. Make your plans to attend the walk on Labor Day and take in some of the best views in the state of Michigan on the Mighty Mac. For more information, go to MackinawBridge.org slash walk. So once again, we're back. And now I'm speaking with Suzanne Shank, who is president and the largest equity owner of Shank Williams Cisneros and Company and CEO of Siebert Williams Shank and Company. And she's going to talk about her firm's role in underwriting this latest bond deal. Uh, but let's start first, Suzanne, with a little bit of your background and your Michigan connections and, uh, and, and your firm. Thank you, and great to chat with you this afternoon. Uh, my firm, Siebert Williams Shank, um, is coming up on our 25th year anniversary. I was one of the original founders of the firm back in 1996, and we are the largest and highest ranked minority and woman-owned firm in the country. Um, we are the highest ranked for fixed income trans transactions in both the municipal and corporate sectors, as well as uh, participating in equity IPOs. And we believe we're the only um, national investment bank that is both majority women owned and majority minority owned. 
Well, that's great. Congratulations. Thank you. So can you talk a little bit about how you uh, got into these kinds of deals with like municipal bonds and, and you know, state agencies? Well, I began my professional career after graduating um, from Georgia Tech as a civil engineer working for General Dynamics many years ago and then transitioned to the world of finance where I then wanted to work on financing infrastructure projects rather than designing them after going to Wharton Business School. Um, and from there, I began working uh, directly in public finance, working with issuers of municipal bonds, which are the primary vehicle through which our national infrastructure is, is funded um, for issuers large and small across the country. Um, obviously, being based in um, with me being based here in Detroit, I have focused a lot on working with local issuers, um, but still maintain, you know, many relationships. And our firm obviously works with um, issuers across the country, um, you know, large and small, many state issuers, lots of transportation issuers, lots of water and sewer issuers. Um, and so we are very active in the municipal market on a weekly basis. So what would the role of your firm be uh, in executing this kind of a, a deal? So our firm was hired as one of the underwriters, in this case, co-senior manager, to uh, really serve as an intermediary between those who want to buy the bonds versus um, and the state, which is selling the bonds. And so our goal is to help find investors who want to purchase these bonds at the lowest possible rates. And that's why the state, you know, hires underwriters to participate in these transactions because we are in the market daily trading with um, investors who are looking to buy bonds, but also in the primary and secondary markets. So how do you locate those investors or how do they locate you? Oh, well, we have well-established relationships. We have a powerful, fixed income sales force that is in constant contact. We happen to be very active, not only in the primary market where we're bringing new transactions such as this one, but we're very active also in the secondary market. So even when there's not new product in the market, we are constantly trading bonds and supporting our clients on the municipal side um, with respect to keeping activity in their securities. So what could you say about the buyers for these kinds of bonds when like, you know, when MDOT issues this this kind of bond sale? Yeah, the key buyers are generally um, large institutions, many of them asset managers who have, you know, manage money for individuals. Um, there are individual investors who are also able to go in with orders through their brokers. Um, but generally, especially at the levels of rates today, I mean, all of the bonds that were offered, their yields were through 2%. So just as you see, you know, homeowners refinancing their mortgages, um, there have been few times it's been more advantageous to enter the bond market. And despite that, there was robust demand for the bonds and, you know, solid buy and hold investors who came in and put in orders and um, supported the deal. So in the first round, you know, a year ago and in this round, uh, we found out that both offerings fetched a premium. Can you talk about that? Why 
you know, $800 million offering actually brings in more than that? Well, it's um, sort of the way the business is working now. We haven't had a huge amount of supply. And um, as you've seen in recent days, the stock market has been off um, pretty significantly. And, you know, bonds, and in particular municipal bonds, have been viewed to be a very safe investment. And you have the added kick of the tax exemption from both federal and state taxes. So there is robust demand for um, these bonds and has been the case for many municipal bond deals um, that we've seen in, you know, recent months. Well, that's great. Uh, I'm really glad that you're uh, you're working on this for us. And uh, sounds like we should look forward to to a pretty decent market for a while and hopefully for the next round of, of bond sales for rebuilding Michigan. Yes, we certainly do need it. Um, you know, as you may know, the American Society of Civil Engineers has rated for many years. Our infrastructure has given it a D grade. I think we just this year, they rated our infrastructure overall as a C grade, but um, our roads, they still rank at D. So we do really need to continue to make consistent long-term investment to ensure the resilience of our infrastructure. Oh yeah, I mean, it's it's decades of underinvestment in Michigan and something that I've talked to media about quite often and Patrick and I have talked about a lot too, is that um, sure, I understand some people's reticence at taking on debt, but when you look at what you can get money for right now versus the debt we're heaping on our children and grandchildren by letting the system continue to crumble, I don't, I don't think it's a tough decision. I agree wholeheartedly. Remember, you're talking to a civil engineer by training, so I agree um, from every vantage point with that. And I mean, we're starting to make, you know, a bit of progress. I think these financings are doing, you know, a big step in the right direction for our state. Yeah. Well, thank you, Suzanne, again, for taking time to talk with me about this. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And we really appreciate it uh, being able to um, work with the state on this issue. Thank you again for listening to this week's edition of the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I would like to thank Randy Doubler and Corey Petey for engineering this week's podcast. To subscribe to show notes and more, go to Apple Podcasts and search for Talking Michigan Transportation. Mm-hmm.